Hello and welcome to the Bare Naked Chat podcast, hosted by myself, Natalia Comis. And me, Ash Moon. This podcast is about what it is to be a woman in the world that we live in today. Womanhood and everything that comes with that, from periods, sex, body image, to gender pay gap, or simply being the underrepresented 50%. We're here to normalise subjects that don't often get spoken about. Women being women, talking for those of us who associate with the fabulous female gender. Billy Quinlan is the CEO and co-founder of Fairly, a new sexual well-being company and audio guide to better understanding your relationship to sex. She is a passionate advocate of gender equality and female empowerment, and her TEDx talk last year championed the importance of closing the pleasure gap in order to achieve this. Hi, Billy. It's so delicious to have you here with us today. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat to you both. Yes. <laughs> Super excited about this. Yeah. Um, so let's get right stuck in to Furley for a minute. Can you tell us a little bit more about the app itself and then perhaps how it came to be? Yeah, absolutely. So Furley is your audio guide to mindful sex. We've created a digital sexual well-being studio for women to really look after their sexuality. We live in a world where female pleasure is still taboo. In fact, sexuality is still clouded in a shameless stigma. But in doing so, we have um, consequences like women reporting pain, anxiety, problems climaxing, and a lack of pleasure during sex. In fact, 51% of women report that. Um, wow. Women are four times. I know, it's huge. That's insane. It's such a huge number. And that's reported. And I think considering the shame and stigma and taboo around this topic, a lot of us don't even identify those as issues, so we wouldn't even report them. So I think that number is mm-hmm. actually higher. Yeah, I was going to um, say, it actually feels like it's almost quite low, considering the amount. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that was, um, that was found through Natsal, which is the um, largest survey around national student sexual behaviours in the UK. Um, yeah. It's also the same survey that found um, over consecutive years that we're having less sex. I don't know if you saw that in the news recently it's yeah. like spirits are having less sex yeah yeah but interestingly half of women actually want to be having more sex that's super interesting yeah because it was also saying about how it was actually um the kind of the younger generation who are having less sex as well which is i thought was really interesting yeah was it like particularly millennials or was it generation z like the one below um, it was millennials and those in long-term relationships. Yeah. Um, and I think that's with consistent to probably what we, we think. You know, mm-hmm. the desire dies off when you're in a sort of long-term relationship and there's that constant struggle with how do you feel safe and sexy at the same time. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever listened to Esther Perel, who is just like the dream woman when it comes to relationships. She's a psychosexual therapist. And if you haven't listened to her podcast, as well as listening to this podcast, always you should <laughs> yeah <laughs> obviously um you should go and check out Esther Perel as well if you're interested in sort of relationships and how you sustain that desire in long-term relationships nice yeah, we'll check out. yeah. but so Furley is um yeah as I said this digital sexual well-being studio a space for women to come and explore their sexuality to learn about their desires um their wants and their needs learn how to communicate lean into their fantasies through central stories, explore their bodies in different ways. So we have guided practices that lead women through a physical exploration of their body and also a mental exploration of their mind. Um, and that's actually a really important part of Furley. So this kind of science that sits underneath us is something called a biopsychosocial model, which basically means we look at the body, the mind and our world um, when we think about our sexuality, which is different to how a lot of people approach sex we reduce it to the very physical act and therefore we look at physical solutions um, and the physiological reactions that we have to sex Mm. rather than considering how our mind comes into the experience or how our social world might influence the way that we think about sex the way that we feel about ourselves the kind of social narratives that we've grown up with and then grown into and I think when we look at developing a really healthy relationship to our sexuality we have to move beyond just the physical and into as we say the kind of holistic systems-based approach to it which is the mind the body and the world 
Oh, I just love everything about all of that. <laughs> There's so many points there that I want to bring up, and I'm just like, ah! um, where do we start? Where do we? Start? Yeah. <laughs> um, essentially, it's a little bit like meditations, but for sexual awareness. Is that right? Um, it's less meditations and more mindfulness. Yeah. So we call it your audio guide to mindful sex because it's not about. Um, there are some meditations in there, but it's not about the practice of meditation. It's about the practice of being mindful and bringing awareness into your sexuality and into your behaviors and attitudes. Because when we're aware of what we think and how we behave, that's when we can start to change it. And if you want to change it for the better so we can enhance our experience, we need to understand why, the why behind what we're doing. And that's really what Fairly does. It helps us explore the why so that we can improve it, change it, enhance it, discover it. Um, yeah, so it's less about meditation and more about mindfulness. Amazing. And so much feeds in, doesn't it? Like, well, just the fact that every single thing that's happened in your day or in your head or your interactions will feed into how you feel confidently, won't it? So whether you want to be touched or whether you feel okay to be like in your comfort zone or out of it. Absolutely, absolutely. And this is the um, interesting thing about sexuality. We often reduce it to, as I said, the physical act of having sex. But our sexuality is literally a living, breathing part of who we are. It's our personality. And it really shapes the way that we move through the world. And I think that we do it such a disservice by reducing it to this very physical experience, which is also very important. But it negates the, um, the more holistic experience of our sexuality, the way that we build relationships, both platonic and sexual, the yeah. way that we think about our self-worth and our self-confidence and self-efficacy. And that translates far beyond the bedroom or, you know, wherever you're choosing to have sex, be it yeah. the shower or the street or <laughs> the foot of the bed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but exactly, it's so much more than just, than just this physical act, which we often also, when we talk about sex, think of very heteronormative penis and vagina sex. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's so much pressure on that. Yeah, and I think... I mean, that's very much also come about because of the way that sex has been portrayed by, you know, by the media, by the, mm. the world over the last however long. Um, Forever, that, yeah. Yeah, and that we sort of don't really, we tend to forget that actually if our mind isn't really in the right space, then we're not really going to be, you know, ready to get on it basically <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, yeah absolutely and that really varies for men and women as well yeah um, so there's a there's a great um uh, educator called emily nagowski and she wrote a book called come as you are and it's a fantastic book for anyone that's interested in this kind of topic and it's a lot of a lot of the research within her book that she's um, written about in such an easy to digest way a lot of the research and the same principles are what underpins Furley. But it's, yeah, it's a really lovely book. And she talks about there, she introduces the concept of the fact that men and women have different drive systems. So predominantly, I'm, I'm generalizing, but generally men have a drive system which is spontaneous. So if you're a heterosexual man, you see a woman walk in the room and she's attractive to you and you get aroused and you're like, okay, cool, I'm aroused, I'm turned on. Um, Let me spread I, my I could, seed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I, could, I could have sex now. For women, predominantly, we're much more situational. So our drive system is situational, which means that actually it's, it's the context that arouses us. Mm -hmm. So it could be, um, you know, we go on a lovely day and the food's delicious and the wine's delicious and the conversation is really stimulating. Um, we are paid some compliments that resonate with us. Um, and then we come home and, the, you know, the environment is lovely. It's clean. It's, you know, all of the things that, that we care about whatever that is for us as an individual and that whole thing that whole context plays into our arousal and then we're aroused and wanting to have sex so it's less spontaneous it's less um yeah I think as you kind of said animalistic and it's yeah. much more situational and I think that's such an important thing that we most of us don't know about it's not something that we get taught about and therefore we compare the male and the female experience the same and kind of say oh yeah but women just aren't as aroused as men women just aren't as um sexually driven as men which just isn't true it's no. just that the context is different yeah. and that it's been all of the like emphasis has been on how to get the male 
like around. Mm. Have you read the book Animal by Sarah Pascoe? No. Oh, but she's great. Oh, she's so great, isn't she? I have such yeah. a crush on her. Um, I would Actually, love her to listen to her. her. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm, I'm always like, Sarah Pascoe. <laughs> I'm rereading her book now, and she talks a lot about, well, she wrote the book because she wanted to understand her own sexuality as a woman. Mm. And she writes a lot about how women tend to attach themselves to a guy. I mean, because we still have our animal nature like underneath all of our social conditioning now, which is very much like we choose them when it feels like instinctually they could be a good provider for, to be mm. a parent. And that's whether you're like heterosexual or not, like just your general partner that you're attracted to, you'll choose them and get attached to them if they feel like they could be like a good provider or there's something in them, in their hormones or their pheromones that make you feel like they will bring safety to your offspring. Mm. And it's just been really interesting. Like it helps me understand my own brain when I think about it like that sometimes. I think that's important isn't it like we, because of you know we think when we, talk, when we talk about sex education we automatically think about school and all of us yeah. go sex education we go school we go condoms on bananas some horrible tv show that they put on in front of us and our really awkward pgse teacher that stands in the front and really doesn't want to be there and I'd imagine being that teacher I oh, know. God. <laughs> it's so unfair on them isn't it you've got like asking them to deliver something they've got no experience in how to really deliver a really great sex education class to a bunch of kids who feel fucking awkward <laughs> getting it and um, receiving it <laughs> yeah but the point is around that is that we think our learning stops there when we think about sex education that's how we think about it and then we think that it stops at school and actually what you're kind of saying there is that we need to continue learning and continue growing into our sexuality. And we do that by researching and reading books and understanding the science and understanding how we change over time. But not many of us actually take the time to do that because we're not taught that it's an important part of our kind of adulthood. Mm. And I think that's what we're trying to break down with Furley is that our sexuality is an ever evolving thing. And therefore we need to continually learn and grow into it. And sex education shouldn't just stop at school. And so reading a book like Animal by Sarah is such an important lesson for you in a way to help you understand your sexuality and it reframes a lot of the social conditioning that we've had yeah yes I think one of the other things that um always stuck with me I mean our sex ed at school was ridiculous and rubbish um but Mm. it was (laughs) it was it's kind of the I don't know how to put this but basically especially for girls I think it's there to bring about fear it's that it's there mm. to sort of go if you do this you're going to get pregnant if you do this you're going to get an sti and um, this is how you yeah. prevent it and basically it's all about yeah using condoms and taking the pill and that's basically it that's basically the yeah. you know the extent of um sex ed at schools and it like you say it really isn't about um pleasure pleasure it, it, yeah it's not yeah. about pleasure it's not about actually how to explore yourself within that um how to i mean i sort of remember a little bit about respecting each other um and i really remember the emphasis being on on boys respecting girls instead of it being you know in a relationship this is how you do things like you know you you want to um be both equally pleasured etc etc um, mm. I think it's like an ingrained thing that we just don't really talk about that and we don't really explore no. female sexuality enough. No, absolutely. You're, and you've, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head with that regards to sex education. It's really framed negatively mm. and it's about disease prevention and pregnancy prevention and nothing to do with pleasure. I think, you know, amazing that you had a little bit around respecting, mm. you know, boys respecting girls, but I mean, definitely didn't get that in in our sex education um and I so I I live in Essex mm. and um well I lived in Essex and the the rate of teenage pregnancy amongst my friends was actually really high and there's just yeah there was just a very unhelpful narrative around female pleasure and the, and the role of women um in sex and I think what building on what you were saying just there is um it's funny when I have this conversation with men, I say, oh, you know, women were never encouraged to masturbate. And men go, well, we weren't encouraged to masturbate either. And I'm like, yeah, okay, no one sat you down and said, look, this is how you masturbate, mate. Like, tug your willy like this. 
but they also <laughs> never said it's really bad for you to do that whereas yeah. for women we're like that's your private area don't touch it it's naughty we don't even give yeah. it its name and this is I think this is like a really um interesting statistic for me is that the charity Eve did a, did a research piece and they found that I think it's like 40 percent of women couldn't correctly um label their anatomy yeah and I thought that's mad and we you know most of us think about when we think about our area there we call it a vagina and it's mm-hmm. actually a vulva um, yeah and it's so mad that we don't even have the correct name for it and then yeah it is when it comes to the clitoris most of us still think about it as this tiny little stubby bit that pokes out the end and in fact it actually looks like a wishbone and 70 percent of women need clitoral stimulation in order to orgasm we don't even know what it looks like or the function of it i mean it has eight thousand fucking nerve endings for god's sake like we need to learn about That's this amazing. yeah yes but yeah. we don't get taught about it definitely no and i remember just going back to school mm. i remember being in i don't know like re like religious education or whatever it's called um Ooh, sexy it was me and my friend and we were asked by boys how we wash ourselves down there I remember being like, what? oh what? my God, this is the most <laughs> awful thing anyone's ever asked me. Um, uh, and like it was with just water? so hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With my fanny fanny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember just being like, I have a bath, but like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to say here. But, oh god did you ask him how he washed no, because yeah. I was so mortified I mean I was quite young but just things like that you know like I like we didn't even get taught about I don't know like I remember you know first period time and I just didn't I literally didn't want to tell anyone about it because I was just like mm. well, I need to do this myself like I'm not telling anyone about this blah 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 mm. I was in grade six um, when the first person I knew ever had their period and we had these white summer dresses. Oh, no. I know. And she came on her period at school on this white summer dress. And it was the most traumatic thing for all of us because none of us had been taught about what was going to happen. And just in front of us was this girl with blood all over this white summer dress, just like pouring out. We were like, oh, "Oh my God. That is shocking. That was horrendous. Yeah, it's so shocking. And I still think about it today and think, oh, God, that was so traumatic. But I just think that that poor girl, what was she? I mean, she must still hold on to that as, as you know, well, hopefully she doesn't. But yeah. if I still very much vividly remember <laughs> it, I'm sure she very much vividly remembers it. Yeah, I mean, how much, like, extra shame and embarrassment would that have laid yeah. on top of just having a period anyway? Yeah. I mean, hopefully that someone, hopefully she's going to see it and be like, that was hilarious. Now I'm really empowered. I love my period. I'm a woman. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But I can imagine being like, oh God, be back every Yeah, yeah. But I think and that's I think the that... thing, it's shame. You know, you hit the nail yes. on the head there. Um, and actually someone said to me recently about um, kids in Spain, like, which I thought was really interesting, about how they were teaching a class. So it was all boys and one girl. And the girl was talking about, she was talking about being on her period like in front of all the boys, like absolutely, like as if it was the most normal conversation. And they were talking about, oh, well, what sanitary products have you bought? And, and it was just like, oh wow, just hearing that was so refreshing. These are like teenagers. Um, and just being so like, you know, open about it, blase, like it's not really a big deal. And, and that the boys actually, you know, m- knew about this and were able to have a serious conversation about it and it not being a big deal I love that yeah and I just thought that wow is so that amazing. is that is what we need everywhere that you know just mm. the fact that they are educated enough to have that conversation without it being like a big deal mm. or a joke mm. that is yeah. amazing. god I remember when I was a teenager having one of my male friends like go through my bag and find a tampon having no idea what it was to the point that he thought it was a chocolate bar and he opened it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> like the opposite. Yeah. God, that's so funny. But, um, but Natalie, I think you like make such an um like a, a really like interesting point there around shame mm. and 
how as soon as we can normalize the conversation um we're able to kind of lift that and respect each other much more and i think that's the number one thing around female health more holistically that is the problem you know everything that our body does as a woman has been shameful whether that is our period whether that is breastfeeding i think i don't know if you know about lv no yeah lv are um is a femtech company who um their first product was a uh, pelvic floor exercise trainer ah, and okay. um and they made it like this really cool gadget that was like super trendy and just made um pelvic floor training kind of cool and then their second one which has been even more amazing is a silent breast pump Oh, and yeah. it means that women can literally breast pump in an office meeting yeah. or, and they and they debuted it on the catwalk in London Fashion Week. And no again, way. That's, yeah. Why oh my god, amazing. I'm just gonna write oh, that wow, down. <laughs> yeah, their um their latest campaign, they put giant breasts, like giant <laughs> breast nipples all around London. Yes, just guys. Like in yeah, it was so incredible. Um, but I think you know, we're trying what we're needing to do is lift the shame around what our body naturally does and needs to do and is super important and special and incredible that it does all these things and rather than making them shameful actually celebrating the magic of them yes and when we were thought about furley you know a lot of people said oh why are you building an app why is this you know will people not feel embarrassed to be having it and that's what we thought was so important we need this to exist on your home screen on your phone next to your banking app and next to Spotify and next to your fitness app as if it's the most normal thing to do to invest in your sexual well-being to invest in your pleasure as a woman is as important as your fitness is as important as your mental health is as important as your finances like it matters and it needs to be there and present so that you're proud of it yes (laughs) get rid of the shame (laughs) um you can tell i'm like very passionate oh my god i love it yeah yeah love it so much like juicy morsels of every sentence Mm. (laughs) it's just we've had so many conversations like the number one there's two things that came up when we were researching fairly and we spoke to maybe like 500 women and the two kind of key things that came up one was this thing around shame like in every conversation and it was just the most heartbreaking thing and then the second thing was this question of am I normal Hmm. every single person wanted to know if they were normal and I know and I'm like there's no such thing as fucking normal we're all so unique so whatever our individual experience is as long as it does no harm it's absolutely fine do you feel like you and your team have learned like just what what do you feel like you and your team have learned through this like for yourselves personally as well did you feel like a lot of your own insecurities or people in your team were educated and kind of realized yeah yeah I mean so much and actually it's been um it's been a really uh interesting time building Furley because and we've all kind of within the team gone up and down at different times because it's such a personal business and because it's so representative of our own unique experiences when you start deep diving into the topic and into the domain it brings up a lot of a lot of things that you've experienced throughout your life Mm. and my co-founder Anna um, she's our chief science officer and she's done a huge amount of research into this and conducted a lot of the interviews herself and in doing so it's made her question a lot of her own experiences and really kind of reflect on the way that she behaves and the attitudes that she has. And actually that brought up a lot of trauma and yeah. it made dating really hard. Mm. And it was really difficult to create a separation between work and life. Yeah, Because they're so integrated, yeah. Um, so a couple of things came up when she was, was dating and actually as soon as she started saying, oh, you know, I'm a sex scientist, <laughs> um, <laughs> there was a lot of yeah i mean she, yeah she's actually, she's actually written a great blog on uh, medium which is the musings of a sex scientist amazing and you can find it by searching fairly and i would i would highly recommend reading it oh it's my so god funny. yes yeah um but for her she suddenly found that the way that she was having conversations with guys she was sort of being objectified in her job and they were like very um 
interested in the fact that she was yeah researching sex and did that make her a dominatrix and did that make her really into kink and she was like whoa 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 I'm like none of those things I mean those things are all fine but they're just not me um Mm. don't objectify me because of my job um so that was really interesting for her and then for another person on our team uh they've been navigating kind of body issues body image issues um navigating some of healthy behaviors of their own sexuality coming into Furley and speaking to women within the community and writing and researching and creating content around that suddenly brings it into the forefront of your life and you have to deal with it in work as well as personal yeah um and that's been and that's also been really challenging so yeah I think going through the the process of building out a product like this it does challenge you in your own beliefs and you have to confront them head on because you're asking your community to confront them and to be vulnerable yeah you also have to do that um and the reason Anna and I started Verdi came from both very personal experiences Mm -hmm. um Anna lost her virginity to sexual violence um and I was sexually assaulted in the workplace so both of us had to navigate very negative relationships to our sexuality and for us it was when we we're going through that process that we did realize that it's so much more than just the physical act of sex. It is a living, breathing part of who we are. And it really influences your self, your self-worth and your sense of, of sense of self, sense of who you are. And building fairly has, has um, really transformed my own relationship to sex. And a lot of the practices that we have built into the app, I do in my own, in my own time. And they've been, they have been transformational for me and have, allowed me to build a very healthy relationship with my now long-term partner who I've been with since literally day one of building Furley. Oh was almost like day one of our first day. So he's, yeah, he's lived and breathed it with us. <laughs> Good. Have you wow. explored the, the things together um, much? So, the, so one of the reasons I ask this is because I think one of the great things about Furley is that you encourage couples to do these exercises together um mm. and I actually had a, a conversation with um Chris my partner about about it when we when I downloaded the app and we were like oh we should try these exercises and we had like a quite an in-depth conversation about it um oh, amazing. and I think that's that in itself is a massive thing actually having conversations about um about sex and exploring each other's sexuality um so yeah and I think that's one of the yeah. biggest bonuses of Furley before you mm. even get into it, you know, actually trying it. Um, do you think that your relationship with your partner has been strengthened because of that? Definitely, definitely. I think going back to um, kind of sex education, I don't know if it was like this for you, but for a lot of people it, it, it was in that we separated the genders. Mm. So women got taught one way, or girls got taught one way, boys got taught another way. Um, and there was a real separation rather than a bringing together so that we could understand each other's experiences and have empathy for the way the different genders experience sex and sexuality. And for us, when we started um, fairly right at the beginning, we really wanted to make it about communication and improving communication between um, couples. And when I say couples, I mean that could be a one night stand or it could be a long-term relationship yeah. basically uh-huh. anyone that you're bringing into your space and um, actually the first version of Furley was very high tech <laughs> we mm-hmm. built like a voice activated AI bot that you can have a two-way conversation with and uh, and the the idea was that it would strengthen your ability to communicate because if you learn how to communicate with an AI <laughs> you could communicate with a partner. Wow, I do actually I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, but it was so, you know, it was so high tech. And actually when we, when we took it out to test, women were like, what the fuck? I don't want to talk to AI about my intimate needs. <laughs> I don't like um, that. I don't like it. And also their voice is really weird because it's not very humanistic yet. Okay, feel good. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh my God. So, um, so we quite quickly realized actually we didn't need to be that techy with it. We could pair it right back um, and still achieve the same thing. And like you were saying that, just introducing something like Furley opens up a whole dialogue between you and your partner um which you've, you've probably never been able to have before or wouldn't have had a reason to have mm. whereas now you're like oh here's this tool this app that facilitates introducing this topic 
whether we go on to actually do the sessions um, right now is, is maybe a step too far, but it's introduced this idea that we can explore it in different ways. And it's definitely, yeah, me and my partner do the exercises. They're really fun. They're just, they're just fun and, and a playful way of mixing things up and experiencing new ways of being together. And it's, it's brought up a lot of interesting conversation. I mean, my, my partner is such a feminist. He's, <laughs> yes. he's taught me about feminism. Sometimes he calls me out and I'm like, oh my God, I'm, yeah, a, feminist. So <laughs> I'm a feminist in progress. Um, but yeah, and, he, and he's very up for kind of exploring them and supporting us. So it's definitely, and definitely uh, enhanced our, I mean, it's the healthiest relationship I've ever been in. Mm-hmm. So, and that's in part due to everything I've learned through building Furley and now both of us using Furley. Yeah. Amazing. And I think that's something that's quite interesting in that, um, so to give an example where so we had a conversation about Furley and then got really busy um and I had in the back of my mind I was like oh we should probably like do some of the exercises at some point um and and it was actually more Chris that was more encouraging us to to have a have a go and to, to explore it and and actually I think that brings up a really interesting conversation around once you know everybody has tools that they can use to to make each other's um create more pleasure for each other then why wouldn't they be more up for exploring that because of course if one person's um you know having a better time so is the other person gonna be and i think like we forget that sometimes empowering men to understand how how women actually are pleasured and and what we need is actually something that's really important and to to help them with that absolutely yeah i totally agree um you know i think i think a lot of pressure gets put on women um to have to take the full responsibility mm-hmm. of their pleasure yeah. which you know we we have typically like traditionally like offhanded it and said you know I need a I need an experienced man to know what he does he, he what, what to do in order for me to have pleasure rather than having the confidence to communicate actually that doesn't feel good and this feels good but um but there is a dual responsibility and and we sh- and this is you know we shouldn't separate the genders it shouldn't be that's your experience and that's your experience we need to bring them together so we can as you say create empathy and I think when we're thinking about female pleasure we often say um you know, men are more interested in their own experience. They're not interested in pleasuring their partner. They just want to get off. And I actually don't think that's true at all. I think to your point that, like, men men really get off in seeing their partner pleasures. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of the time, women are faking it yeah. because we've not understood how to experience that pleasure. But that reinforces to a man that they're doing a good job. And I think, actually, we need to get over this barrier of needing to fake it and actually being able to be honest and open, which does bring in issues around ego and how do you how do you bring in that conversation and say you know actually for the last year I've been faking it um I'm really sorry but can we try again and start again yeah so that there is a hurdle there but ultimately I really do believe that and, and you know through our research speaking to men as well they really want their partner to have pleasure because as you say that they they get more pleasure from yeah. that and it is about empowering them to understand the female experience as well. Um, so right now, you know, Furley is for women, but we, you know, we have plans to extend it beyond that and to bring men into that experience so they can also explore their sexuality in a different way. But more importantly, so they can experience how women experience pleasure, um, and we can just have a healthier, happier relationship all round. Yeah, oh, so good. It feels so nourishing and wholesome, particularly like in comparison to things like porn culture where. Like, mm. so much more about performance and mm. like how you're behaving rather than how you're feeling and how you look rather than how you're feeling and yeah I feel yeah like kind of wholesome balance yeah definitely I think we just need to stop looking at all these things in isolation and having a much more holistic integrated approach to it um which does consider how we feel about sex not just how we have it um and that you know porn absolutely has its place I think that traditional porn needs a refresh <laughs> but um there are some amazing companies like i don't know if you guys have heard of make love not porn yeah 
Yeah, so Cindy Gallup, who is like the godmother of um, sex tech and is really <laughs> trying to change this industry. And she's all about um, social sex. So this idea that when we make sex socially acceptable is when we can completely change the narrative around it and make love not porn is a um, social sex site. So couples or individuals can upload their own sex videos. So it's much more representative of a real experience rather than this performative um, version that we have on the internet today, which is so damaging for young people because they don't have the critical thinking skills to look at porn and go, oh, okay, that is purely entertainment. I shouldn't look at that as education or real life at all. And that's informing the way they then move into their sexual relationships and how they think they need to have sex in order for it to be good yeah there was there was like a a cheeky time in my life a few years ago when I was just sort of like sleeping with a few different people but not dating anyone and that was quite yeah it was fun it was fun but there was a few guys and it was when I mean like we're all a little bit younger and the amount of them it really shocked me at the time and it still shocks me now but the amount of them after we'd have sex would would actually say like from a rating of one to ten what would you rate my performance what I know and I was like oh my god and they were all guys that that like more obsessively watch porn or like that was quite a big part of their sexual life oh my gosh how old were you I was I think well I was like early 20s so I must have been like 22 wow that's so interesting it's quite sad as well isn't it because they were they were they were so preoccupied with their performance level that they were very unsensitive to me Mm. yeah and they were also unsensitive to themselves because they were thinking more about how they looked like from the outside came across yeah almost like as if there was like a voyeur there to see our sexual experience rather than either of us being the actual people that were there oh that's so weird isn't it what did you answer like what did you ever give anyone like, oh a i don't know like, maybe, you know <laughs> minus one because actually minus yeah. <laughs> the question it might have been an eight after the question you were a two no yeah I, I was like i will not answer that question with a number like that's just not i never gave anyone a number i was like if you feel like but then then you're obviously not as present as you might need to be but yeah, I was just. I mean, that's really mature yeah, answer God. for a twenty-two-year-old <laughs> Yeah, go ask. <laughs> Fuck, that's so mad. It's mad. I hope that they're not doing that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I hope they've learned. Maybe we should send. But that's send like this one of the big. <laughs> yes. 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 Do you remember me? <laughs> hey, are you still rating your performances, or have you grown up a little bit since then? <laughs> but that's I think one of the biggest problems um with hookup culture as well is you know we've had these advent of apps like tinder and bumble and it's totally changed the way that we um find a partner and and hook up and as a consequence what's happening is we've become disposable to each other and there's a real lack of intimacy Mm -hmm. and I think you can have intimacy with a one-time partner you don't have to have intimacy just with someone that you really deeply care about it just means respecting each other and being present in the experience and it's the complete opposite of what you're what you're talking about there ash is like this isn't just about getting in having a quick fuck and then getting out and then sort of disposing of each other yeah where neither of you really feel heard or seen or respected yeah or or Um, much enjoyment or much enjoyment yeah exactly yeah and I think it's really sad that that we've yeah neglected the role of intimacy in sex, um, and that we do think of each other as disposable beings. Like you know, we I, I had a really awful story the other day of um, someone was having sex with someone, so they hooked up um, on Bumble or something like that, and then they had sex, and they're like, yeah, it was good. And then um, I got up, so I put my clothes back on. And I turned around, the guy was swiping on Bumble again. No! Oh my yeah. God. Oh, wow. She was like, I haven't even left the fucking room. Yeah, I've got one sock on me. Fuck. Yeah. No. I know. That's like an addiction, okay, I think, as well, isn't yeah. it? Totally, totally. That like reinforcement of um, yeah, how many how many likes can I get? Oh god, I mean, yeah. sick. I know. <laughs> Grace, um, you must get some pretty personal stories coming back from Fairly yourself. 
is there any like little juicy snippets you can share with us that don't give away anyone's identity or anything like you must hear some yeah um we're so that's really difficult for me because we're really we're really hot on on data privacy and um we really feel very privileged that people feel that they can trust us enough to share their stories yeah so um yeah i can't i i would feel very wrong sharing anyone's stories in case they listen to this podcast and i hope that all of our community listen to this podcast and listen listen to tune in um so i won't share that i won't share any of the stories that we do get because we do get very personal ones but i will share a story that i think demonstrates just how important it is that we that we do reshape the narrative around female sexuality um, and and do smash the taboos so i had um i went on a trip last year which was around raising money and awareness for the Panzai hospital in the congo which supports women um who have experienced sexual violence mm-hmm. and on the trip were 35 western women and 80 percent of those had been um had experienced rape and i think that's just crazy yeah. i think the, the actual stat is one in three women will be a survivor of sexual violence globally but on the on the trip was this um woman called Tordis Elva who is an incredible um advocate for female sexuality and for sexual violence and she shared a story with us about a 17 year old girl who came up to her on one of her public appearances and said oh I'm just looking for a bit of advice around sex and pleasure and um I just want to understand when sex feels good and told us like oh can you kind of expand on that and the girl said um well I really want to enjoy sex but it just really hurts especially when he pulls my hair and oh, I know that that's such an yeah I know that that's such an important part of the experience but it's just really painful so I was just looking for some advice on how long does it feel painful and when will I start to really enjoy having my hair pulled? Oh, and Tordis was like, yeah, that is not an integral part of the experience. And if it doesn't feel good for you, you absolutely don't have to do it. Um, you have the authority and the autonomy to say no. And I think that just really struck me and has stayed with me over the last two years. Yeah. Um, that our young people are growing up thinking that hair pulling and aggressive hair pulling is an essential part of the experience and that they have to grin and bear it until yeah. it feels good oh that is so heartbreaking that, uh, yeah it, that has kind of left me a bit speechless to be honest I just oh yeah I know and sex is such an amazing thing and it can be the most transformational experience if we get it right and if both people lean into it and enjoy it and feel seen and heard and it can also be such a horrendous experience. Yeah. Um, and the more that we talk about it, the more that we have um, incredible people like the two of you creating podcasts like this, um, which allow us to have open, honest conversations, the more we can reach people to say, look, sex comes in all shapes and sizes and all forms, but at the core of it, it has to feel good for you. And if it doesn't feel good for you, then something's not right. And that's okay. There are ways that you can change that. But at the core, pleasure is so important. It's not a nice to have. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. And I think, you know, we talked a little bit about, or well, I've talked a little bit about my story in the last few years in that um, basically sex started not to feel good for me. Um, and I was trying mm. to explore that in, in many different ways and like revise and went to different doctors and, um, and I had physical symptoms as well. And they just were really, really not very helpful. And the thing that's helped the most is taking ownership of that again and, um, and taking, making my own decisions about what I need. Um, coming off the pill has been a big one. And, uh, mm. and really actually opening up, opening up that commu- communication line um, between myself and my partner and, and being a bit more explorative, but in a way that is good for both of us. And I think it's okay for things to not feel great. Um, and it's okay to, you know, if what I'm trying to say is if 
it's not feeling good then it's okay to be honest about that and to actually start exploring yeah. why I think that's the biggest thing of being honest about it and yeah um and not feeling ashamed not having to fake it because it's not feeling good for you um and like exactly what you're saying you know like it's it's about actually opening up that discussion now and seeing what what works for each individual because it everybody's different um yeah and yeah yeah and we should feel good it should feel good we should we should bloom and well feel good yeah it should feel bloody great yeah yeah Yeah, i think that's amazing i know i think that's amazing though now that you've kind of um taken ownership over that and responsibility you know um felt empowered enough to do that because i know that we we spoke previously Mm -hmm. about the really unhelpful nature of the doctors that you came up against and i think that can be so disempowering Yeah. yeah Definitely. I mean, one doctor was literally like, oh, you know, well, the only thing I can do is um, send you off to the gynecologist who, and I can't, I'm really annoyed with it. I can't remember how they said this, but they used such big medical terms. And I just sat there and I went, mm. are you basically saying they're going to help me masturbate? Is that what you're telling me right now? Oh. <laughs> like, that's literally. Just fucking say it as it is. Yeah, that's literally <laughs> yeah. Like, what you're saying, isn't it? So if they did say oh. it as it is, that itself could be quite empowering. Like actually, oh, yeah. yeah, which which in itself could just be much more open. Mm. Um, but also on the same hand, like pretty scary. Like you're sending me off to a guy need to get yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. Right yeah, like yeah. I mean, can I just do that myself or? Yeah. <laughs> so weird. Oh god. Um, but I think it's um, great that you've like you you and your partner have been able to have that open conversation and actually go, you know. And this is the thing about breaking down this heteronormative view of sex where it has to be penis and vagina yeah. and saying, you know, sex can be, um, can be kissing, sex can be oral, sex can be touch, sex can be, like, it can be all of these things. Um, it doesn't just have to be this one thing because this one thing is painful and it isn't working right now. Yeah. Um, and and if, we, if we reduce it to that definition, it means that we're not having sex and suddenly there's something wrong in the relationship. Whereas if we broaden the definition of it, then we are still having sex and we are still being intimate and we are still having that important part of the relationship. Yeah. Um, whilst we figure out this period and how we how we overcome that pain. Definitely. Because it, yeah. it does really affect you. Like it really actually affected my confidence. Um, mm. It made me just not want intimacy in many respects. Um, mm. Because I was just like, because it's that vicious cycle, isn't it? Of you know something's going to hurt or you know you're not going to enjoy something. So then you don't, your body just rejects it altogether. Mm, Totally. And this is where it is a mind-body connection, isn't it? We can't separate the two experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Um, If we just, just to start like rounding the conversation up, um, there's a couple of questions that we always have to ask our delicious ladies. And one of them Mm. is, which women in your life do you feel like have lifted you up or that you feel like you've stood on their shoulders? And this could be someone who's actually in your life that you know really well, like someone from your family or a, or a pal um, or someone from afar that you've kind of seen their journey or like an actress and you've been inspired. That's a really lovely question. I think that in the last year, that has to go out to my co-founder, Anna. Yes, Anna. Yes, Anna. Love you, Anna. <laughs> I do. I actually do love her. It's incredible starting. You know, we only met in October 2017. Amazing. And wow, what a journey you guys have been on together. So, like, in just such short time. I know. Such a short amount of time. And, um, it's, you know, the relationship that I've had with her is probably the healthiest relationship I have in my life. And it's... Um, She's just the most inspiring woman. She has overcome such adversity in this last year. She started Burley whilst finishing a PhD at Oxford, wow. whilst moving to a brand new city with no community. Um, and, you know, as a consequence, her mental health seriously deteriorated, which it totally would under those extreme stressful scenarios. Mm-hmm. And rather than kind of running away which would have been totally fine and completely reasonable to go to, you know, live on a beach and just wait, you know, chill the fuck out and recalibrate. She faced all of the big milestones in her life head on, tackled them all, um, got through them and then was able to come back and work with, work with us with Furley. And she's such an integral part of the company. Like, I just couldn't do this without her. And I think her ability to overcome such huge obstacles with such grace 
oh, she's just oh yeah I have such a crush on her on both of you to be honest so there you go yeah. <laughs> oh, likewise <laughs> um can you tell us is there anything um that you're really excited about at the moment or anything new that's happening with Furley um or just in your life yeah um well we launched which is really exciting yes, we literally launched, yeah <laughs> we only launched two weeks ago we had a little celebration on Thursday just gone to fully launch her get her out in the world and say she's here so if you haven't downloaded Furly yet head over to the app store it's f-e-r-l-y um leave us a review we're only accepting five stars <laughs> yeah nothing <laughs> below nothing less that. Nice. we will hunt you down <laughs> we'll hunt you down um if you want to leave a lower review reach out to us on email and see if we can fix it first <laughs> yes but yeah download fairly join our community on instagram you can find us at we are fairly we love speaking to our community and having conversations around sex female pleasure so um, yeah, that's the number one thing going on right now. It's all consuming. I don't. I don't even sure if I have a life outside of Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Amazing! Oh, it's so uh, exciting. Yeah, thank you so much, no, Billy. Thank you. This has been such an awesome conversation, and um, and thank you for all the work you and Anna and your team are doing with Furley as well. It's super important. Um, and hopefully our listeners will go and explore some more as mm, well. Yes. I hope so. And thank you so much for having me on both. It's been a really lovely morning to hang out with you guys. Yay. Oh, and with you. Yeah, how lovely. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great rest of the week. Thank you. Thank you. you Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Bare Naked Chats podcast. We love every single one of you. We will be back in a fortnight with our next installment of healthy oversharing, juicy chats and educational convos. You can rate, review and subscribe to Bare Naked Chats on iTunes. And please do, we will love you forever. This helps boost our rating and spread our love even further. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Chats, and you can email us at barenakedchats at gmail.com with any comments, thoughts or topics of interest you want us to delve into. Catch you later, cats. Adios.